please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. This week, I'm, I'm Doug King. I'm here with Jesse. We are going to be talking a little bit about traveling with firearms. So. You're Doug King this week. Who are you usually? That's what I, I just, this week, I'm <laughs> here in studio with Jesse. I'm Doug King. And uh, last week, Jesse, you were out of town um, traveling with your firearm, which got the idea for this week's discussion topic kind of going in the back of my head. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't go to an airport. No, but uh, the airport's just one facet of it. There's there's a lot of traveling with firearms that that I walked in a safe at um, unnamed hotel. Okay. You could probably get me in trouble for having it there. Well, you know that's one of the things is that there are certain hotels, resorts, theme parks that don't allow firearms. There are certain states that make that law. If they don't allow them, then you're breaking the law by having them there. That's right. And Georgia is not like that. But uh, when you're traveling to other states, this is something that you have to bear in mind because you're going to be subject to the laws of the state you're in, not the state you're from. So a lot of people, you know, know what their law is in their state or well versed in their state. Then they travel to another state and end up getting arrested. We saw this. Was it last year or the year before with the guy who was traveling through New York with all the guns in his car? And it was New Jersey, I thought. It might have been New York where they arrested him because that many guns was illegal in their in their state. And the types of guns were illegal in their state. And that brought a whole bunch of havoc upon some poor traveler because he wasn't aware what the laws were where he was just passing through. Now, usually you get safe journey coverage so that if you have it in a locked container or not accessible from the driver, then you're considered, you know, kind of on safe ground as you pass through one state to another. But depends on the state. It depends on the officer. You go through Chicago and they'll fry you quick. Yeah. Even even, cops, even though it's I not know. helping the crime rates there, I mean the murder rates through the roof in Chicago, and if you look at Chicago and Detroit, those are cities that have been run by Democrats for God knows how long, and they're both pits <laughs> and they're they're holes in in the face of society. Well, even cops I know are afraid to travel through Illinois with firearms because it's just so draconian so there are a lot even if you're not flying there are a lot of considerations that have to go into effect and one of the ways that you can minimize your risk is by having carry permits from multiple jurisdictions which is something that um, I've encouraged people in the past to do. There, there are a variety of jurisdictions that issue non-resident permits that allow you to have a uh, greater amount of reciprocity with Still having, you know, your own home state permit, but it gives you, it kind of opens up the doors for you to other places. Um, one of the most common is Florida. Florida well, You can get one in Virginia pretty easily if you've had a safety course and have a weapons carry license from your current state. Utah has become more and more draconian to get theirs and keep theirs. It's almost to the point now where I think it's not even worth getting. You so. almost have to travel to Utah to get it, don't you? Well, you can get it as a as an instructor. You have to travel to Utah every couple of years, and that was I gave up on that a long time ago. But even the the amount of steps that go through getting the permit and and keeping it, I just I don't know that it's worth it when you look at Virginia recognizes any NRA course 
Uh, Florida allows you to, as long as you have live fire, and they used to, at gun shows, teach this class and have you walk up and shoot around into a sand barrel at the gun show for the live fire portion, and that count, counted. So there's, you know, there are states that make it a lot easier and are much more friendly in the getting and maintaining of the license than Utah. So I, I've kind of given up on Utah. But I, I think that there are good options out there to get you more reciprocity, and it depends on where you're traveling. If you're going to be traveling in the Pacific Northwest a lot, maybe Utah is a good option for you. For the rest of us, Florida is probably the better option because it's right across the border from us, and we're much more likely to go there, and it still gets you almost every state that Utah would. Uh, Virginia, if you travel north and, and northeast, is a good option, but there's not a lot of reciprocity in the northeast and the New England states. There's not a lot of reciprocity in the the northeast and the new england states period that's a problem and, and when there is reciprocity their gun laws are just so ridiculous that it's almost not worth even bothering with right it's like um, you, you want to take a lockbox and just lock up your firearm as you pass through massachusetts new jersey new york even pennsylvania pennsylvania kind of struck me as i thought pennsylvania would be rather gun friendly it's a no. state that has hunting and there, no it's not. No, it's a Commonwealth state. They're not very nice. <laughs> Kentucky's um, okay. Kentucky's pretty good. Ohio is odd. Ohio has some very strict gun laws in some of the cities. They don't have um, the same, uh, you know, the, like Georgia has a prohibition against cities making more strict laws on concealed carry individuals than the state has. But um, Ohio, Dayton, and Columbus have separate laws versus the rest of the state. You have to be really on your toes there. They also don't allow for um, firearm sales to non-contiguous state residents. So I went to a, a gun dealer there, and I was going to buy a long rifle, and it's perfectly legal federally, but there's a state law that says that if your home state does not touch our state, you can't buy a gun here. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, it, it was very bizarre. And so I ended up ha buying the gun and having it shipped to my FFL instead of just walking out the door with it. That's crazy. I would have left them with the gun. I would have got it from someone else if they were going to be jerks about it. Well, it's not the dealer's fault that their legislature did that. Well, they're not doing anything to fight it. Well, what can you do? I mean, a lot of this is You can join beyond. a group like Georgia Carey. And if there's not one, then you can create a group like Georgia Carey. I mean, at some point you have to be the one that's willing to stand up and make some noise because if you're silent about it, then you're a willing participant. Well, you know, we've seen Magpul promising to leave Colorado because of their 10-round mag rule. I don't think that Magpul has actually left yet. I could be wrong on that. But there was a lot of stir that they were going to pick up their multimillion-dollar-a-year business and move to a more friendly state. Um, so we have seen some flight from different... Um, organizations from laws that were passed california i mean they're to the point now that is there even a gun dealer in san francisco anymore i mean i think they completely have have obliterated the industry um i don't see and and like barrett firearms barrett says that they won't will not sell or service any of their weapons that are owned by california law enforcement or uh, government agencies I, I can't remember i think it was california they had they were passing around a petition last week where they had to have the petition in within so many days of lobbying passed for it to be um overturned 
What law were they trying to overturn? It was one of their firearms laws. Mm-hmm. Only God knows which one. There's so many crappy firearms laws in uh, California that it's almost, I don't know. I think if we're going to build a wall around anything, that should be what we build a wall around. <laughs> they're They're offering to build their own wall and pay for it in order to keep Trump away from them. That was the last thing I heard of them talking about them building a wall to keep keep Trump out. I was like, well, that would be cool. Can we cut off the the financial aid the federal government gives them to? You know, I was talking to some Canadians while I was out of town, and they were really nice people. Did they drink their milk from bags? No, they didn't. I'm not really sure where that reference comes from. But they were really nice people when we were at the pool. And we were kind of talking politics, and, and she said, yeah. American politics is strange. I said, American politics will always be strange. And she said, well, you've got Hillary Clinton. She said, I can't tell whether she's crazy or having a stroke. And then you've got um, Donald Trump. Donald Trump. And she said, he's he's so angry. And she said, but I wouldn't want to wish Hillary Clinton on you. She said, but I'm hoping Donald Trump does not get elected. And I said, well, why would you say that? And she said, because that would make all of your worthless people want to come to Canada. <laughs> and I laughed. I thought that was hilarious that she was actually concerned with, you know, like Rosie O'Donnell <laughs> coming to Canada. Well, if if you don't like the Democrats and you don't like the Republicans, you can always vote for the other Democrats. Oh, the, oh you mean Gary Gary Johnson and his... And, and Mr. Gun-Grabbing Weld? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was an exciting thing. Kind of concerned week. about that. What, what did he say? He he made a comment about a handgun being as dangerous as an AR-15, and then he made a comment about AR-15s being should be classified as weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. I think his mouth should be classified as the bottomless pit of bs the 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 one that got me is he said that the problem with an ar-15 is you can just remove a pin and it becomes full auto he's full of crap i've never seen anybody remove a pin and turn an ar-15 to full auto has he even touched a gun i i really do not know but as as a professed libertarian i'm starting to see some flaws in his fitting in with the party uh, libertarians believe in freedom and the freedom to own any gun you want, as long as you don't hurt somebody with it, you should be allowed to own it. And that's not a very libertarian philosophy. It's it's much more of a Democrat philosophy. I do not believe that he's a libertarian. I think he's a Democrat in libertarian clothing. And I think that that's really interesting because I always always seen libertarians as flocking very close with the Republican Party. And you know there there are a couple of big differences, and the biggest one, of course, is pot. Libertarians are kind of like I've said this before. I've given talks and said libertarians are republicans that like pot or they're democrats that like to be left alone and that's kind of the mantra you know there there's this this middle of the road taking a little bit from both parties but gun ownership has always been kind of a heavy libertarian plus and they're also heavy on the side of pro-choice and heavy on the side of pro-drugs because it's all about individual choice. But here we have people who are willing to make the choice for you. And that just doesn't strike me as a very libertarian philosophy or a very winning philosophy in the upcoming election. I was talking to a fellow libertarian and he was like, well, you know, at this point, I'm not really voting for any issues other than ballot access. So he's voting for the lesser of three evils. So ballot access is worth getting a president that's going to grab guns. Well, the <laughs> the argument seems to me that they're all going to grab guns. So it doesn't matter. 
I don't think that they'll all grab guns. I think that Hillary will put some very draconian um, things in. Well, she, she did that with her husband. Folks, we're at a commercial break, so we'll be right back. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, folks. When we took the break, we were talking a little bit about national politics and, and who, who's going to grab guns and who isn't. Um, you know, Hillary, her her husband and her, and I do think that they worked in tandem on issues during his presidency, um, they were very much in, in favor of assault weapons ban. In fact, the 94 assault weapons ban was, was promulgated and, and signed by Bill Clinton, and it remained on the books until 2004, which caused the price of Glock magazines to go up for a piece of plastic to 150 bucks. People were scrounging for pre-banned parts. And in fact, I just ordered some magazines for a pair of ordnance high-capacity 1911, and on the packaging it says pre-banned high-capacity magazines. And so they're Pre-banned high-capacity magazines. By the way, this is a six-round magazine. Well, no, it's a 14-round magazine. Really? Yeah. I didn't know those were 14-round magazines. Yeah, the the two for the pair are. Oh. Not the ones for my gun. No, you've got a single stack. Yeah. Because you've got little fingers. High-capacity magazines are 14. Dainty when fingers. When I think about high-capacity, I think of like 100 rounds. Don't don't give me that finger. It's okay. I didn't anyway. give you any finger. <laughs> I was just showing you my dory. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, the, but the, the, anything over 10 was limited during the assault weapons ban. And so these, the, 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 you're talking about the Brady bill, right? No, I'm talking about the 94 assault weapons ban, a assault weapons ban, 1994. Okay. Um, that's limited magazine capacity in all firearms to 10 rounds or less. And so Glocks were now, you had a Glock that could hold 17 rounds, but they put in a, a little filler so that the magazine couldn't go down to the bottom and, and only held 10 rounds. And it caused a, a, a resurgence in 1911s because 1911s, you can get a 10-round magazine in that pretty easy, but that's about as far as you want to dare stretch the poor magazine spring in a single stack. So they became much more popular again because the spray and prey was going out the window. 30-round stick mags for your Uzi and for your Tech 9 were getting to be exorbitantly expensive. And it, that's where things sat from 94 until the sunset. And somebody had snuck in a sunset provision that said in 10 years, the bill automatically expires and not is no longer law unless it's repassed. And in 2004, we had George W. Bush and a Republican Congress, and it, the thing just kind of faded away. Um, there was... Bush said that he would sign it if the Congress passed it, and Congress promoted a bill that got stuck in the committee, and, and a very shrewd pro-gun committee chairman kept it from coming out and becoming law again, permanently, possibly, even with a Republican president. So, you know, all of the politicians give me pause when it comes to anything having to do with guns, because even the ones who are pro-gun, like George W. Bush, are willing to sign an assault weapons ban. So how much more do we need to fear someone who comes out and says that AR-15s are weapons of mass destruction? We need to be terrified. We need to run away from that. So what are we left with then? I mean, we know Clinton is anti-gun. We have been told by Weld that he's anti-gun, and he was the choice of Gary Johnson. And I would love to be able to sit here and say, well, you know, Gary Johnson's new to politics, and he's a little bit unvetted. He's not. 
How many times has he run for president? Like 40? And he's just picked the worst running mate he possibly could. The only way he could have done any worse is if he'd have looked at old Barack Obama and been like, hey, you went back in the yeah. in the party? You I, can be my vice president. I don't know. I mean, he could have been taking a page from Obama's book and getting the, the assassination-proof vice. But I don't think he has enough, you know, gravitas on his own to pull that one off. Yeah. I mean, Joe Biden isn't exactly the the preeminent great mind of our generation. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the man. I'm not picking on the man. At least he can make a a cognitive sentence. I mean, George W. Bush made up his own words. Well, that's that's true. But, you know, he was trying. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we, we where we were going originally before we took this wild tangent was talking about traveling with guns. And we talked a little bit about interstate and reciprocity issues traveling interstate. But the real thing that I was hoping to turn the spotlight on this week is the airport. Well, you mean the fact that Georgia says we can carry into our airport, but the federals say, if you come past this lawn, we're going to lock you up. Well, let's let's go back a little bit in history and talk about where this came from, okay? Originally, airports were one of the enumerated you-can't-go-there spots, which was kind of odd, if you think about it, because thousands of guns go into Hartsfield-Jackson every week. And when when the big lawsuit came out about HB, I think it was 826, that had the the provisions for carrying in the airport, I remember Ben DaCosta, who was the general manager of Hartsfield-Jackson at the time, testifying that there were no guns in Hartsfield-Jackson Airport. And it just it, it boggled my mind because I've taken a gun into Hartsfield-Jackson Airport, told the baggage people at my airline that there's a locked gun in this bag and then they send me over to tsa and tsa opens up my bag and throws in a little sticker inside the bag not on the outside that says that they've checked it and then you they put it on a conveyor belt and you pull it off the carousel at the end of your flight so people do that every day all the time and this is not just a normal person this is also law enforcement yeah, everybody. Everybody who flies with a gun, that's the way you fly with a gun. It's just what's done. It's always been done. And so saying that it's illegal to take carry a gun to an airport, there wasn't like a provision that said, that said oh, it's, it's illegal unless you're checking it. So the law was just a really horribly written law by someone who doesn't understand that people fly with guns all the time. So the new law said that you can carry a gun into the airport, but not into the secure portion. Great. That's fantastic. And there was some talk about, well, should we even worry about the secure portion? Should we just say you can carry a gun to the airport and let the secure portion fall on the feds? And I was the one who jumped up and down screaming, no, 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 you can't do that because we don't want this to be federally prosecuted. We want this to be a state issue. And the reason for that is is that it's much easier to get a null pros to get an expungement to get a diversion program out of state court than federal court and i knew that and i know that people do this all the time and that's the the kicker is that people carry their gun through the metal detectors in hartsfield jackson all the time unknowingly i'm not talking about people carrying it on their hip but what happens is i carry i use a, a, a bag that i take to the range and I have a small Ruger LCP or a PPK or something that's small and light in one of the pockets from my last range trip. I get home 
And my wife looks at it and goes, oh, we need an extra bag for luggage because we've got to take 30 bags on this trip. And next thing you know, it's filled up with clothes. And I didn't think about the gun in the small pocket in the back. And she didn't think about the gun with a small pocket in the back. And next thing you know, I'm walking through the airport in Hartsville-Jackson. And it's beeping. And they're looking at me really strange because there's a gun in my bag. Right? Yeah, and they treat you like you're some kind of terrorist if you have a gun in your bag. No, that's what happens. You get arrested. Of course, they also treat you like some kind of terrorist if you have a bag of lotion in your bag, a bottle of lotion in your bag. So what happened when they found a gun in your bag at Hartsfield Jackson three months ago? Well, oh, they would make you turn around and leave with it, right? Or no, they, they would, would arrest get, you. They would take it. They would arrest you. They would take it as property evidence. They would arrest you. You would get booked. You would be arrested. You'd be detained by TSA. You'd be arrested by City of Atlanta PD. You'd be transported to the Clayton County Jail where you would be booked in. And then you would hire me for a couple of grand. And I would swoop in and get you a bond of about $1,500, get you out of Clayton County Jail, get you into a diversion program with the Clayton County Solicitor. You would go take a gun safety course, reminding you to check all bags before you start traveling with them. And then after that, they would not only dismiss your case, but they would expunge your arrest so that you would never have this show up in the future. Instead, now you go to federal court. and Well, now everything's changed. Where do you go to jail if you're in federal court? They have... Federal, federal holding, holding cells. cells. Yep. Oh, that sounds like a blast. Eh, it's kind of like federal prison. You it's get like a little higher quality, Bay. a little higher quality of of rations, and you know the, the mattresses aren't quite as well slept on, and no one's throwing up on you in federal court. Anyway, we're we're at a commercial break, so we will be right back. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. When we took the break, I was talking a little bit about the way things used to be if you got caught carrying a gun through the airport in Hartsville-Jackson. Now, the other thing is is that this, this diversion program was hard fought, and... I had to, I did a couple of cases down there where the prosecutor was a little bit taken aback by my adamance that we were going to get a diversion program set up. But finally they realized that this wasn't really worth trying. And the biggest case I had down there involved a guy who had a temporary restraining order. What had happened is he had a girlfriend here in Georgia. He moved to, I want to say Nevada or Arizona or somewhere in the, the Southwest. And the girlfriend got mad and whipped out a restraining order on him. Now, the restraining order was issued after he had left the state, so I I don't think that there was a lot of restraining to be done, but it was kind of a spite move, and he didn't even know about it. And it didn't impact any of his rights because he wasn't in Georgia. So you're telling me it was an ex parte order and he had no knowledge of it? Pretty much. That's not fair. Yeah. So no big deal, right? I mean, it's, it's not a big deal until he happens to be flying back through Atlanta to somewhere else, and he gets busted with his his gun through check baggage. Wow. Yeah, great. So we do the whole rigmarole we normally do. He goes to Clayton, and they bond him out, and we go to apply for the diversion, and they say, no, no, we're not giving him diversion. He has a restraining order, so he's not eligible for diversion. At which point I said, okay, then we'll try it, because... 
I don't think he did anything criminal. He did something wrong, I'll grant you that, but it's not criminal because he didn't intend to. And we all know that and intent... You have to know about it before you can break the law, right? Well, intent is an essential element of every crime in Georgia. He didn't intend to take the gun through the metal detector. It's not a crime of specific intent, or general intent. It's a crime of specific intent. So, here we go. Let's go to court. So Clayton went back down, and we went to trial over it. We get to trial, and I knew that they had accused the wrong code section. The one that they had accused did not list the airport properly. So when we get in there, the judge is like, are you ready? I was like, Your Honor, I've got a motion to dismiss because you know the accusation doesn't allege the facts that are in the police report. So we had a little brief hearing on that. The judge agreed with me, and the prosecutor voluntarily dismissed the accusation, and then refiled a new one with a separate code section. It was still not the right code section. Wow. So this time, I do the same rigmarole, and she says, no, Your Honor, this is, this is correct. This is the right code section. The airport is a government building. No, it's not. And the judge looks at her and says, how are you going to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the airport is a government building? Do you have anybody who can testify to that? She says, TSA's here. He's like, yeah, TSA can't testify to that. You're going to need somebody specific. There is one or two people who could probably testify to that if you could get them. But the trial is starting now by your own admission. And we're not continuing it because the the defendant flew in from Arizona or Nevada or wherever he was wherever from, yeah. from. So we're not delaying this anymore. At which point the solicitor looks at me and says, would he be willing to do a diversion program? And I said, is he, if he's getting an expungement, absolutely. Because you can't get an expungement of an arrest unless the prosecutor agrees to it in Georgia. It's just a no-go. So, great. There we go. We got our, our expungement and we got everyone rolling and it was a good day for everybody again. So, at this point, Clayton knows what to do. It's put these people through a diversion program. Everybody's doing their, what they're supposed to be doing. It's good. And then in June, we get the word that TSA is taking over, that they're not going to prosecute them through the state courts anymore. They're going to prosecute them through federal court. Now, what caused that to happen? I don't know. But if you want me to speculate or hypothesize, I'd be willing to. An Obama executive order? No, I I really think that it is a uh, pissing contest between the, the general management of the airport and TSA. Um, TSA has, in Hartsfield-Jackson has one of the lowest approval ratings of TSA anywhere in the country. Hartsfield has been having an ongoing battle with TSA. And at one point, Hartsfield said, if TSA can't get their customer service rating up, we're going to consider going back to using a privately funded security system instead of using TSA. And so then TSA decided to up their game and prove that they are indispensable by handling the prosecutions. You know, if if Clayton County is doing the prosecutions and if City of Atlanta is doing the arrests, what do you really need a federal agent for in that process? I'm going to throw away this bottle of lotion and this bottle of lotion and this bottle of lotion out of your purse. And I think that Hartsfield was, was looking at this and going, you know, there's really no need for TSA to be here. And so TSA grabbed more jurisdiction to make themselves in ir- irreplaceable or indispensable. But didn't this happen in every air- every airport, or is it just Hartsfield-Jackson is one of them? It's the only one I know of is, is Hartsfield-Jackson. 
Okay. I, I'm, I, I don't have personal experience with any other states, so I don't know. But I'm fairly certain that, at least in Alaska, local jurisdictions handled prosecutions for that when they bothered with it at all. And a lot of times it was just go and, and put it in your car or fix it. Your, your box isn't good enough for TSA. Now go fix the box and put it back through. We don't care. There wasn't a big rigmarole about it. So I don't, I don't know what's going on elsewhere, but I, I had heard that Hartsfield was not happy with TSA conduct. I had heard a couple of news stories that Hartsfield was getting more and more aggressive with TSA, and then following that, TSA takes over prosecution for these cases. And these cases are not insignificant. It happens all the time. I- I want to say four to eight times a week at Hartsfield Jackson, someone's arrested for carrying a gun through the mail detectors. Yeah, and some of them don't even fight it that hard. You don't even hear about them hiring attorneys. Or One of them was pretty high profile. It was one of our local rapper's daughters. T.I.'s daughter. And that came right after the switchover. And I think that that was done and it made such a, a, a splash, not because it was a semi-famous person, but because TSA wanted to make a PR statement that this was a big deal. I think they had extra fun with it because it was a semi famous person well regardless they were trying to make an impression in the people's minds that this is going to be a bigger deal and now it is now they go to federal court and i'm going to federal court this week to deal with it and see what the federal prosecutors are going to do whether they're going to be reasonable like clayton county or whether this is going to become something much more exciting uh given the nature and you know it's very hard to get uh, a pardon from a federal crime and that's the way they're treating this there are a lot of federal crimes out there that people aren't aware of. I mean, did did you know that possession of marijuana can land you in federal court? Depends on where you are with it, yeah. Oh, there we go. Perfect. It's, um, it is jurisdiction by by location what is it called that's you're right jurisdiction and the where you are physically located matters so if you have that marijuana say in the united states postal post office when you get busted then it could give it could give it not necessarily will give but it could give the federal government jurisdiction over it and if you had it on army corps of engineers property or or the chattahoochee river which is federal land and that's one where a lot of people get busted because they go tubing on the hooch and they've got marijuana and they get busted and they get prosecuted in federal um, magistrate court here in atlanta all the time i don't understand anybody that would want to tube the hooch it's a really dirty river well when you're in atlanta there's not much else to do so it, it kind of is just one of those things, you know, you want to be like Alan Jackson. Who doesn't want to be like Alan Jackson? Uh, I'm not sure about being like Alan Jackson. I think I'd rather not to the hooch. But, you know, it, it's, it is about location with that. Um, the same thing with your gun, though. You can land yourself in federal jail with your gun mm-hmm. by carrying it into the post office or Army Corps of Engineers property or the Chattahoochee. And you can end up in a foreign jurisdiction's court system just as easily in Florida or Illinois or New York where your resources are being stretched and it's much harder to defend than if you are at home. So, I mean, these are things that you have to take into consideration every time you decide to travel with your firearm. Have you been watching the Olympic news? How would you like to report a robbery and get detained? Well, uh, the one who reported the robbery made it back to the U.S. and safe ground. They just took his friends captive. That's ridiculous. 
Yeah. Brian Lock Lockney? Lockley? Lockney, I think is his name. Yeah. I, I was pretty shocked by all that. He wasn't didn't he come in silver? I don't know, I don't remember. I know Phelps is the one who's cleaning up left, right, and center on everything, and we've got a medal count that's higher than any Olympics ever before. The U.S. is just dominating. I mean, and it's not surprising. There's a lot of other countries aren't even putting forth an effort. Romania didn't even field a gymnastics team this year. I mean, it was That's sad. weird. They usually Best in the have world. a great one, yeah. So, I mean, there's... Uh, the runner-up, we've got almost 90 medals. The runner-up is China with 60, one, two-thirds of what we've amassed. I mean, the U.S. is dominating the Rio games. Maybe a lot of people didn't want to go to Brazil because of the Zika scare, too. That's, yeah. I, I could see that. I mean, you only have so many Olympics in your in your life. You know, there's this 16-year window when you're fit and able to do it. I don't and know. So, there was a lady in the gymnastics that was in her 40s. She was old enough to be the mother of the younger women in the gymnastics. Yeah. And she was from... Romania. Romania. She was the sole Romanian because they couldn't field a team. Um, but, yeah, of course, she wasn't in gold medal contention either because she, I don't she, know was, if she was in medal condition at all. I mean, she was... That's, that's the problem. I mean, you only have a certain window, so skipping an Olympic Games during your the prime of your life is kind of a big deal, but... So is getting Zika virus and having deformed children. Well, I mean, if you're not planning on having children, I guess since she's in her 40s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess that ship is sailed. She has, uh, that that lady does have a 16-year-old son. So. Yeah. But, you know, traveling with your firearm is something that is needs to be given due consideration because you can easily get into trouble and inattention, even inadvertent inattention, can land you in federal court now here in Atlanta, Georgia. So it's something that we should be mindful of and we should be careful about. And it's everything having to do with a firearm involves some degree of mental preparation. And we talk a lot about the, the mental preparation of carrying a firearm. What if you had to use it? Are you prepared to use it? Are you willing to take someone else's life to defend yourself or another? And that gets a lot of attention, but the inadvertent things don't, you know, do you, when you, when you take your guns to the range, do you make sure that every gun you took gets put back into safe storage? Do you have guns that you keep in oddball places? And do any of those oddball places end up traveling with you? I mean, do you have a purse where you keep something light? Something that you might not forget that you have on? I do, and I I don't ever forget that it's in there. I mean, I've, I've made a habit of taking that purse and, and not taking it to certain places if we're leaving to go to that place that day. Like, if if we're going to court, I leave that purse at home and carry a different one. And it's become a habit to to not take it. So you have to kind of make it a habit of... Not taking that item to certain places if you're going to carry a a purse with a firearm in it or a backpack with a firearm in it. Exactly. And that kind of mental preparation gets glossed over. We don't we don't talk about that. Not nearly enough. Not you are far more likely to get arrested for having your gun somewhere you're not supposed to inadvertently than you are to be arrested for having to shoot someone to defend your life. Really? Yes. I have seen so many more arrests for uh, carrying at the airport or back in the day, carrying at a public gathering, carrying at a library, than I have seen from people who actually had to shoot somebody in self-defense. Carrying at a library. Government building. A library is... It was. 
not now, but back before Georgia Carey started changing the laws, it absolutely was. Really? Yeah. I mean, it was kind of strange because you think of a library, you know, it's not really a government building. It's more of a book depository and, and homeless person bathhouse. But all right, folks, we're at a commercial break, so we will be right back. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. So, we've been talking about carrying your firearm in, in different jurisdictions, the, the difficulties that come and the mental preparedness of, of going to different places. You have to research the laws on where you're going. You need to make sure that you're not inadvertently carrying someplace you're not supposed to, either because of a, an aberrant state law or because it's federal property. And those are concerns that every firearms carrier, not firearms owner, if you're going to leave it in your, your closet for the rest of your life or in your, your nightstand drawer, then that doesn't really impact or affect you. But if you're going to carry, and if you're going to carry dedicated carry wherever you go, then these are things that are going to pop up. These are things you have to be ready for and you have to research. You need to know the laws for the jurisdiction you're traveling in. You need to know where you can and cannot carry and the consequences and a way that you can and protect yourself if you're, you get caught. And that's just something that you need to be mentally ready for. We talk a lot about being mentally ready for the moment of pulling the trigger. Are you mentally ready for the, the court case that comes after even just carrying, even when you're carrying legally? Because we've seen that here in Georgia, too. I mean, I've represented people who were legally carrying that got arrested for illegally carrying legally. And because the police oftentimes don't even know the laws they're trying to enforce. A man with no shirt and tattoos can't possibly be walking around with a gun in a holster. It just that that it's incomprehensible. And so they arrested him, right? A man with no shirt and tattoos. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. So they arrested him because he looked him, he looked scary. Yeah. Okay. Well this is right back to, you know, we arrested him because he was driving while black. Yep. And we, as as gun owners, we suffer a lot of the same prejudices that are racial prejudices in this country. So anyway, you know, the, one of the best ways that you can be ready for these events and these things that happen is having a network of people that you can rely on to give you good advice, good information, and to help you along and to help each other and help each other pass better laws so that you have more freedom and that you don't have to worry so much, at least in Georgia, about where you can and can't carry. And the best way to do that of course, is to join georgiacarry.org. And you can do that by going to georgiacarry.org's website, and the website is exactly the name of the organization. You click on membership, and you can pay your dues right there and become a member. They'll send you your card in the mail. $20 a year, $500 for a lifetime. Either is a good value, considering what all Georgia Carry does. And if you sign up for a lifetime, you get all kinds of perks. Including being able to have lunch with Mark Gilbert. Woohoo! So uh, at the convention, I know that we were at the convention a few weeks ago, Jesse. You spoke there. Um, at the convention, there's a special luncheon for lifetime members. You I participated get, in a, a ladies' um, panel discussion regarding women's and, and fire, women in firearms and women's. As, as opposed to the men's panel van discussion. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, it was it was a great talk that you guys put on. It was a, a very diverse group of, of women up there talking about different issues, and everybody had a different experience level. I, just, was, I loved the lady that came in almost to the very end. 
and how she told us that we should be carrying Walther C or was it CCX's P, CCP Walther CCP's or or twenty two. Oh wait, that S- wasn't a woman, was it? No. He was telling us about what guns was best for our our lady parts. You have lady parts. I do have lady parts. Okay. And I'm, I beg to differ with any man who tells me what gun is best for my lady parts. Okay. So. <laughs> anyway, that caused some dead zones. <laughs> you know, it's pretty hard to take the words out of Doug King's mouth, but I managed to do it. No, it frustrated me. You know, he came in and told me, which, well, y'all women should really be shooting blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I fired that gun. It wasn't good for me. I, I think the best thing to do is to try a few out and see what fits. It's like. Uh, I was in Cabela's yesterday, and there was this young couple. It you a, in Cabela's? No way. <laughs> it, there, was, there was this young couple, Jesse. There was a, it was a tall, young black man and a young white girl, and they were there shopping together trying to find something. And I heard him say, well, she's home alone a, a lot, and I want to make sure that she's got something to protect herself. Right, and then the guy behind the counter is like, "Let's give her this thirty out six. <laughs> it was well, it was Cabela's, you sure? But <laughs> he recommended a car um, in forty caliber, which is what is not a bad choice overall, depending on what your your restrictions are. I got a car in forty caliber for my mom. The reason I got that for her is because it has no safeties for her to have to figure out, uh-huh. and it is a long, smooth trigger pull that doesn't have a lot of weight to it now isn't this the same gun that ran out of ammunition and she thought it was stuck yes or broken yes she's like we needed to take it to the gunsmith and i was like isn't it just out of ammo like doesn't it pop open like that when it's out of ammo yeah she's she's not a gun person but when she was going to be living on the other end of the state and And by herself pretty much and needed to shoot at the buzzards then it was a good choice uh, it's not my first choice for anybody. It is a good carry gun. I, I will say, car is probably the best carry gun for people without hand strength and no children. Right, because there's no safeties and and the trigger pulls light. Easy. Yeah. So if you if you don't have hand strength and you don't have children and you intend to carry it with you, it's a steel frame, single stack. It absorbs way more recoil than a similar size Glock because really it's steel frame. You should keep it in a good holster, though. Yeah, you're going to absolutely have to keep it in a good holster because it will go off when you pull the trigger. And it doesn't take much to pull the trigger of that gun. I've tried it. Yeah. And so, I mean, but it's not when, when the, the, the option is, I, I want something for her at home. Her at home is the, the rubric here. Neither one of these people had a carry permit. Her at home, to me, says something vastly different than a pocket pistol. To me, her at home is an 18-inch shotgun. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can do some crazy home defense with a shotgun. It's, it's it's easy to use. It's, it's easy to aim. Intuitive. You can't really miss. You can, but it's intuitive. It's comforting. It's low recoil. It's, it's high damage. I mean, it's intimidating to the person that just walks through your door uninvited if you're sitting there with a shotgun Speci- aimed at them. Especially if it's one of those Winchester 1897s like we got. <laughs> you're sitting there and you're like, you got one option. Turn around and leave. I'm fixing to feed you lead. <laughs> well, the the beauty of that the 1897 is you can just hold the trigger down. 
That's true. All you have to do is keep pumping. Yeah. My dad thought that was awesome. Everyone thinks that's awesome. Everyone yeah. who's ever played with one of those thinks that's awesome. And there's another gun, there's another shotgun that has the same feature. It's an Ithaca Model 37. So both of those, the Winchester 1897 and the Ithaca Model 37. Now, the Ithaca does not have an exposed hammer, so it's not legal for, like, cowboy shoes. But it's a perfectly suitable firearm for home defense. And you get that thing lopped down to 18 and a half inches. It's handy. And every time, if you use triple op buck... Okay, this is my favorite statistic. Okay, uh-huh. triple op buck is a thirty-five caliber pellet. There's usually about eight of them to ten of them in a shot shell. Now, a three fifty-seven magnum is a thirty-five caliber bullet. So you've got the same caliber bullet in both both things. One you have one bullet. One you have nine bullets in the thirty or in the three fifty seven magnum that that bullet is moving at fourteen hundred feet per second out of a twelve gauge it's moving at fourteen hundred feet per second so every shot from the twelve gauge is the equivalent of taking your three fifty seven magnum emptying it into the person opening it up reloading it and emptying it into them again without needing to be as accurate without needing to explain why you pulled the trigger nine times. Yeah, either. you can do it once and leave them hurting real bad. Yeah. I mean, it's dramatic. And 12 gauges are a much better option and cheaper. You can get a 12 gauge for 200 bucks compared to that car that was going to run them 550 600 Folks, we're at the end of the show. I hope that you enjoyed it this week. I hope that it was profitable to you. I hope that you get out there and do something with your family. Think about firearms. Think about safety, not just in being safe with your firearm, but traveling safe. And we will be back next week. Same bat time, same bat time. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.